Welcome to the Gutch Church Podcast. My name is Kennedy Shear, and thanks so much for joining us. Today, we have a great word from my dad, Pastor Bill Shear. If this ministry has changed your life, will you let us know? Send us an email to story at gutschurch.com. All right, let's get in the Word. You guys ready to get in the Word? We are studying Romans. We are uh, inching our way through. Um, I think I want to start at verse 4, Rebecca. I don't know if, if that's where you want me to start, but um, that's what I want to do. Um, but uh, Romans 2 verse 4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God, listen, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. You know, it's interesting. We, we're able to repent. And listen, what happens, here's how, here's how the goodness of God works. The goodness of God is that his, his forgiveness is continually active in our lives. Okay, does that make sense? Just, just continually, the, the forgiveness of God is, is active in our lives. So we're walking in forgiveness. So as, as soon as, man, we know we've taken a misstep or we know there's error in our life, man, I'm telling you, God's forgiveness is right there. It, it, we're enveloped with his, his forgiveness. But it, it's, it's for this. So that it leads us, listen, the goodness of God leads a man to repentance. Why? Because that makes us righteous. And when we're righteous, we shine as stars. When we're righteous, and that's nothing we can do. It's only us receiving the finished work of Christ in our lives. Okay, verse 5. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath of the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Now listen, I want to talk to you guys about God's judgment, especially when it, 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 his wrath. And this is, I'm repeating this and it bears me to repeat it because most people have a misconception of the wrath of God. The wrath of God doesn't come as a lightning strike. The, the wrath of God isn't God taking his thumb and squishing us like a bug. The wrath of God is simply this, God letting you have what you want. That's his wrath. The children of Israel received the, 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 that fell into the wrath of God, listen, by wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, because that's what they wanted. They griped about it. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They griped about this new land. They griped about man, manna. They griped about, about Moses' leadership. They griped and griped. And God gave, they wanted a king. God gave him Saul. Worst move in the history. But you have to understand, Israel is a, the, the Israelites, it's just a history of failure. Just utter failure. Man, they, they, wanted, they wanted idols. They got 70 years of captivity in Babylon. The, the crown jewel of idols on the earth. Romans 2.6. Who will render to each one according to his deeds. See, that's God. He'll give you what you want. Man, and, and let me tell you, that's his wrath. We live under his wrath because now we're outside of his grace. See, that's what's amazing. What Paul's pointing out here in Romans initially, he's talking to three kinds of people. He's talking to unbelievers. He's talking to to. The moralists, people that are like, well, I'm better than you because I live a better life and I make more money than you and my clothes are pressed and my shoes are shined and yada, yada, yada. And what? Look at, look at the, the side of the tracks that I was born on. And then there's religionists. There's these people that are like, look, I'm a Jew. 
And Paul's going to get into it. He's going to say, listen, if you don't live by the law, your circumcision has no effect. You might as well be uncircumcised. And to the Jews, that's a big deal, a really big deal. Verse 7, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and here it is again, wrath. You get what you want. Tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil. Of the Jew first and also of the, of the Greek, he stays consistent by doling out to the Jews and then the Greeks. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For, for there is no partiality with God. Highlight that, underline that, write that in your notes. Verse 11, there's no partiality to God. We reap what we sow. If we ask God to forgive us, he does. No matter what the, listen, no matter what the grievance is, no matter what the degree of sin there is. And let me tell you, there are differences of sin. There's sins of the hand, there's sins of the eye, there's sins of the heart. See, there's there's different types, okay? But the degree, it all separates us from the will of God. That's the, that's the root definition, my working definition of sin. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And as many have sinned with the law will be judged by the law. It's like pick your poison. If you're going to sin, if you're going to live in unrighteousness, whether you're living by the law or not, it's not going to matter. And not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but doers of the law will be justified. And you know what? Israel proved they couldn't keep the law. That's why God, God ultimately gave them the law, and what did it point to? That they couldn't keep it, they couldn't live by it, so they needed a Savior. It was all about Jesus. And, and for when Gentiles who don't have the law, by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are, of the, uh, are, are a, a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience, and, their, and, bearing, and also bearing witness, and between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. See, now Paul begins to address the religious people. He's addressing moralists up to this point. Unbelievers, moralists. Now he's going to go to religious people. And remember this, the one thing that, that the Bible says Jesus hated was religion. Indeed, you are called a Jew, and rest on the law, and make your boast in God, and know his will, and approve the things which are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in the darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? See, he's proven to them they can't keep the law. You who say, don't commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. Now listen to this. What Paul is saying here is that if the Jews aren't living by the law, they're wrecking it for the Gentiles. 
See, and that's a type of shadow. That's that that that. Listen, it's religion. When we get religious about this, we wreck it for everybody. It's not going to be attract, attractional to anybody. Man, Jesus, let me tell you something. The love of God leads people to repentance, brings righteousness in people's lives. People aren't fighting against that. They're, fight, they're fighting against the do's and don'ts and rules that man puts, puts in. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you're a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, he will, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? See, he's twisting their minds up at all this religion. And he'll not physically, and will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you, who even with your written code and circumcision, are a transgressor of the law. See, the fruit of our lives is what people are going to judge. Man, it's, we call ourselves Christians and not, and not live the life, not abide in him, not live in his word. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, look, if, 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 my word lived, if I live in you and you live in me, my words live in you. See, that's the key. What are we living in? Where's God's word living in our life? So he is not a Jew who's one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. And see, that's what it became. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the, in the letter whose praise is not from men, but from God. See, it goes back. It's unbelieving people. It's moralist. It's religionists. Those are the three kinds of people that Paul's dealing with at the, at the beginning when he's talking about the wrath of God in the book of Romans. See, but what he's going to do in the next chapter, a few, a few verses into chapter 3, Paul begins to talk about the grace of God. And then it's multiple chapters of the grace of God. And let me tell you, that's where it's like a rocket ship in that church in Rome. What Paul has done so far is he's, addri uh, uh, he's addressed the objections that he anticipated in these guys. I mean, he, he knew. He was, a, he was a teacher of teachers. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was an upperclassman in, as a Pharisee. He knew what their argument was going to be. He explains the advantages the Jews have but didn't live. That rings true for so much of the church. Romans 3, verse 1. What advantage then has the Jew or what is the profit of circumcision? What he's saying is, what is all this religion getting you? Much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. God gave them everything they needed. But guess what? They didn't have eyes to see. They didn't have ears to hear. For what if some didn't believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. He answers his own question here. Indeed, let God be true, but every man be a liar, as it's written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when, you're, when you are judged. When God is judged, we overcome. But if our unrighteousness demonstrate the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? He said, I speak as a man. Certainly not. 
God's not ever going to be unjust. For, for then, how will God judge the world? And see, this is the key for all these guys. For if the truth of God has increased through my life to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? And why not say, let us do evil that good may come, as we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say their condemnation is just? What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it's written, there is, more, there is none righteous, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their, their throat is an open tomb. With their tr- tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. You have to understand, Paul was preparing. Paul was come under the indictment of, of, of Caesar. And he was coming in, and Nero, the, it, who ended the reign of Caesar as a ruler of Rome. He was, it, it died at 30, had been married three times all homosexual marriages, and the the third one, he was the bride. And see, this is what Paul's talking about. Your throat's an open tomb. Man, That that see, we can't mix any of this stuff in the church with the gospel, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Here's what it's like. I'll tell you what it's like. I, you go to a jeweler, and a, a jeweler, you go in and you want to buy a gem. What, what do you want to buy? You want to buy a diamond. That'd be a gem. Okay? You go buy a gem. What they're going to do is they're going to bring uh, black velvet out to lay that diamond on for you to look at that diamond. And on that black velvet, that diamond is brilliant. Why don't they bring white velvet or yellow velvet or a light-colored velvet? They're not going to because they want to show the contrast of that diamond with that black velvet background. That's what Paul's doing right here with, with us with Jesus. He's saying, listen, I'm laying this all out. Your moralistic attitude, your unbelief isn't getting you anywhere. Your moralistic attitude isn't getting you anywhere. Your religion is definitely not getting you anywhere. Matter of fact, you're condemning everybody else that's not religious. You're ruining it for everybody. And now he's going to show that, that gem, that jewel, that diamond that is, that's the grace of God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. This is where we start cheering. God's revealed his righteousness, but listen, it's apart from the law. It's like, well, wait a second. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe, and there is no difference. This is huge. Verse 22 is huge. 
Man, these guys are reading it and they're thinking, wait a second. He's throwing the Greeks in with the Jews all these times and now what is he doing? Now he's saying there's no partiality with God? Wait a second, where's chosen people? Now he's saying there's no difference between the, the, those under the law and those not without the law? And then he says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, now instantly, you and I become recipients of the gift of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by the blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Stop right here. There's three words. There's three words here that jump out at us. Number one is justification. Justification is, man, everything I need and nothing I deserve. That God has justified me. Can we go to those notes? I want to get this right for you. I got to go to what I've written down here. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justification is. As if I'd never sinned. I know when I sin. I know what sin feels like as an unbeliever and as a believer. And guess what? Through Jesus, I'm justified as if I never sinned. Okay? Justification. The other word that jumps out is is redemption. The price paid for my freedom. See, what redemption is, it's slave terms. It's human slavery that God's redeemed me now. He paid the price for my freedom as a slave. Why? He sees value in me. See, I'm, I'm 64 years old. As a slave, I'm not nearly as valuable as, as Andrew, who's, what are you, 30, 35. He's got, he's got much more value. But you know what? It doesn't matter what the, how the world's valued you. It doesn't matter the slave you've been to sin or the slave you've been to, to your past or the slave you've been to religion or the slave you've been to whatever. See, what he's saying to all of us tonight is he's saying the grace of God is always sufficient. The grace of God, no matter how you were raised, no matter, no matter what you've done, no matter what your track record is, let me tell you, you might be just like Israel and be a history of failure. That's all, that's all Israel did was fail. That's all they did. But see, you look at it now. Man, you think about it. You think about where circumcision came before the law. Abraham was circumcised at 98 years old. Way before the law. But then the law mandated it. Do you understand what religion does here? See, Abraham did it out of obedience to God. 98 years old. What happened when he was 99? 
Man, God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. He said, look, he took, it, he took him out of the desert. He said, look at, look at the sky. Your heritage is going to be greater than this galaxy that you're looking at. And then the law mandated it. This stuff's mandated in our hearts, not on tablets. See, and then, and then comes the word propitiation. This is huge. It's, it's the atoning sacrifice that was paid for all of this. The, the, let me tell you what this word is. The, the, the word in the Hebrew and then the Greek is the same word used for the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. See, the Ark, the, what it carried, it carried the tablets. It carried manna. And one other thing. Yeah, Aaron's staff. Anyway, on top of that, okay, it was invaluable to the Jews. On top of that was the, was the mercy seat. That's what our, the propitiation is that Paul's talking about here. It's the same term as the mercy seat. See, there's people that, there's, there's, there's two different places that, that pass into heaven. One is the judgment seat of Christ. That's what we pass in front of as believers in Jesus, as born-again believers. And then there's the white throne of judgment that you don't want to pass in front of because your life doesn't add up. That's where sinners pass. They come up to the judgment seat. We, what do we come under? The mercy seat. The, 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 the judgment of Christ. Well, we're hidden in Christ. So we pass through. But, but the white throne of judgment? See, and that's what this mercy seat gives us. That's the propitiation of our sin. Verse 26 says, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. When is boasting then? It's excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. See, trust takes over from the law now. See, grace comes by faith. Our salvation is by grace through faith. How does, how does grace come? It's us trusting God. It's the spirit and truth. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Do you see what Paul's doing here? He's wrecking everything for, 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 for the Jews, the Pharisees. He has absolutely turned everything upside down. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. I'm telling you, no one had ever talked like this before. See, Paul had his conversion five years after the ascension of Jesus. See, so only Jews got saved. Only Jews got preached to. Only Jews got targeted. Only Jews were fit for the gospel for five years. And then Paul comes along. And boom, he gets hit with this light. He's, he's on the... 
on the road to Damascus, he's laying there and he said, look, I'm all ears. What do you need? What do you want me to do? Just tell me what to do. And let me tell you what happened. The gospel opened for everybody. And that's how we have to look at it. Let me tell you, there's so many people that have habitual sin. There's so many people that have habitual depression, that, that, that are, have a losing mentality, that are always victims. And you know, the world feeds that narrative. And why? Because we're victorious in Christ. It's the grace of God that's always sufficient in our life. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by his spirit. He put his spirit on the inside of us. And we want to get, we want to get lost in this this goofy narrative that the world, it's a, you heard from God, is that an audible voice? It's like God lives in me. I don't have to hear an audible voice. I know his voice. I'm not following another voice. My yes is yes and my no is no. Well, pastor, hey, where do you want to serve? Well, let me pray about it. But what do you, where do you need me? Who are we in this for? I mean, for real, who are we in this for? Are we consumers? See, Paul's talking like, like look, are you guys going to, how long are you going to be consumers with this? No, Paul, in, in another writing, Paul said, how long do you have to be taught this before you start teaching it? Man, so many of you guys, do you understand? Most of this room, individually, you have more revelation than any of the apostles of the Lamb. Do you know that? These guys were in ministry for five years with only their recollection of Jesus. See, Paul comes in, and you know what he introduces? Revelation. Revealed knowledge. Remember, what did Jesus say? Yeah, you guys are blessed because you get, we get to hang out together, but there are some coming that, that believe yet never have seen they're the ones that are truly blessed. Since there's one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. This is amazing. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, our faith establishes the law. Man, the, the law, we're just hoping we're not going to screw it up. We're hoping we're not going to break the We're hoping we don't get caught. Isn't that what it is? We hope we don't get pointed out. We hope we don't get singled out. When God said he'll never leave us nor forsake us, he's always with us, and he's my judge. I'm worried about what you're going to think of me. I'm worried about you're going to see me fail. God see me, see, is seeing me fail a mile away. I'm a mile from the next failure. God's like, don't do it. Don't go there. I don't feel right about it. Well, but you know what? Everybody's doing it. There's an expectation. Man, I was going to Bible school, and then somebody, we had a Q&A. Somebody asked Dad Hagen. They said, they said, Brother Hagen, what's the biggest mistake you, you made in ministry? You know what he said? Everything I did out of obligation. Everything I've done. What if you in your life tonight could say, God, forgive me for what I've done that isn't your will, that I've done out of obligation, and God, I thank you that I repent and I'm never doing it again. Do you know how free your life would become? But see, we look at it, it's like it still works. And it's still, it's still and what did James say, man? We, our works follows our faith. But you know, the Jews, they want, they want their works to precede their faith. 
Man, everything's predicated upon trust and faith. Why? Because what does faith bring into our lives? Think about this. We're saved by grace through faith. So what comes into our life through trusting God? Grace. So you've got all this habitual stuff. You've got depression and all kinds of things in your life that are just, you can't get ahead. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you guys cannot get ahead financially? Let me tell you something. We've got to break that curse in the name of Jesus. Because let me tell you what that is. It's poverty. And you know what poverty is? Poverty is a curse. Keep you on the government's dole. Well, it's free money. It's not free money. It's bondage. It's present-day slavery. What, I shouldn't take the government check? I'd be believing God to get out from under that if I were you. I'm just saying. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just telling you how powerful this grace is. This, how, how, how much freedom this grace has. It's a supernatural ability. You say to this mountain, be removed to be cast into the sea, and don't receive any doubt in your heart, you'll have whatever you say. We're going to start chapter 4 next week. God's good! Everybody do this. Everybody do this. Do this with me. You ready? Repeat this after me. Everybody's doing it. Come on, get with me. You guys over here, get with me. Say, say this. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're amazing. God, you're amazing. I've got a great life. I'm full of faith. Your grace goes before me. Your grace comes up behind me. Your grace is all around me. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in to Guts Church YouTube channel. I'm Pastor Chano Trevino, the assistant pastor here at Guts Church. And on behalf of our leadership team, our staff, our church, it's our hope that this message met you right where you are. If it did, I bet there's someone you know who could use the encouragement of this message in their life. And you sharing it with them can make all the difference. The mission of Guts Church is to help people win. And you can be a part of that simply by sharing, or better yet, inviting someone to tune into Guts Church online with you every week. Take that next step to be a part of what God is doing right now in this moment in time by being committed to showing up, placing a premium on God's word, and receiving all that God has for you. You can share this message, gather your friends for services, make it a priority to make this the place you want to be. God has so much for you. I truly believe that. We love you. We're praying for you. Can't wait to see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information about the ministries of Gut Church, visit our website at gutschurch.com.